Hello, listeners. My name is Mark. If you have been enjoying the Listener Lore episodes, please come over to my separate podcast feed, Lorehammer Listener Lore. On this daily podcast channel, I will be reading one story a day and sharing your creative works with others and giving my feedback at the end. So, if you like Grimdark 40k short stories, come join me at Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. The legends are true! Overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny! Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the show, visit us at patreon.com, and for as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron. Or you can buy cool Lorehammer products like shirts, coffee mugs, and dice bags at www.redbubble.com. Don't want to spend any money? Well, you can help out the show by giving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also hop on over to Facebook and like our page, and feel free to send us a message. It's the only enjoyment Mark gets out of his miserable life. Hey guys, welcome back to Lorehammer. Uh, today is a uh, quick little bonus episode. We've got uh, listener lore. Um, my name is Eric. Jordan. We've got Jordan. Uh, we got Christian. Hello again. And uh, Peter. Hello. Uh, Mark isn't joining us. Uh, he is no longer part of Lorehammer. Uh, just had a couple legal issues, and um, it's kind of hard to record a podcast from jail. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I mean, we tried to smuggle one in, but it doesn't fold up as nicely as your intestines do, if you know what I mean. Like the arm for the mic. It wasn't pretty. Uh, anyways, let's dive right in. We're just going to read some lore that's been submitted, and then we'll just share our thoughts. Uh, good things, bad things. You know, we'll try an Oreo sandwich it. Um, thanks for the nod, Peter. Yeah. I get it, yeah. 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 Excellent. So I'm going to read the first one. Uh, this one is a really long one, and there's like a huge conversation in it. So uh, I'm going to play the main character, and Jordan is going to play the other character that I will introduce at some point in the story. All good? Let's okay. do it. So this is submitted to us by Side. <clears throat> Hello, dear reader. I am Ziroth Mordrek, and I would like to thank you in advance for reading this article. The imperial credits that you have paid to purchase this novella I use to refuel my ship 
and hunt for new stories within this dreadfully massive universe we live in. If you have a story you would like me to investigate, or an individual you would like me to interview, send me a message at data expunged. I always love to hear from my readers. Now, for this specific story, I had to traverse the Eldar city of Kamora, and I was nearly killed many times. However, it only makes the payoff of telling this tale through writing even better. Enjoy the read. The Consanguinity of Club Ardor The Background of Club Ardor, Its Master, and Its Denizens Within Kimura, it is unwise to sleep lightly. Eldar society thrives off of murder, backstabbing, and debauchery. One day you may wake to wonderful news, that a rival was killed off, or that you are promoted in your cabal. Then the next day you may be dead in a sewage drain, being feasted upon by the mandrakes and the beasts who live below. However unwise it is to sleep lightly, some Eldar still do it. The sounds of slaves screaming in an unbearable agony, chains lashing against great beasts, being drugged to the pits, and the death gurgles of fellow Eldar being butchered in the streets can cause any real Kamora citizen to want to fall into a nice, peaceful rest. But anyone who lives within ten miles of Club Ardor are never able to sleep well, let alone sleep at all, if too close to the pulsating building. The nightclub itself is a massive rectangular structure, covered with refractile panels that twist and turn in all sorts of abstract dimensions, stretching ever so slightly into the dark, lightless sky of Kamora. The bright light it emits from all angles are blinding only in the slightest, and the lights soar into the blackness beyond some of the tallest spires of the district. Within the lights above, you can see hellions and scourges brawling one another, and within the lights below, you can see the carnage in the streets of the dark city, but only for momentary glimpses, as the bright lights shift to yet another scene of depravity. The flashing name and slogan blistering one's eyes from all sorts of angles upon the massive complex. Club Ardor, you've never been so obsessed. The sounds emanating from the club, however, are the real spectacle. A mix of pulsating bass, screeching electronic noises, seething angry vogels, and an overall intensity comparable to being rammed into by an imperial knight that's been shot out of a cannon. This demented sound is most certainly one of a kind, and it is why I am here for this story. The music of Club Ardor is ripped from various cultures across the galaxy, be it the sounds of the old Eldar, the Tau, the modern-day humans, or even what Chaos considers to be music. But its main grounding and roots seem to be from an ancient human form of song and dance, known as the dubstep. This genre of music relies heavily on electronics and other devices to make it music that is worthy of an ancient human ritual known as a rave. Within the rave, humans would gather in an area, holding a very primitive form of laser technology, and sing and dance along with the DJ, who was playing said dubstep. These, these raves were described by ancient Terran scribes as being, quote, hella sick and wicked cool, furthering my belief that the rave may have ties to the occult, or maybe a primal form of chaos worship. But the sounds of this electric pulse-pounding music is what truly defines Club Ardor from any other nightclub, bar, crackdown, or brothel around Kimura. 
It fills the club and most of the surrounding area with a non-stop barrage of blasting beats. So intense and so addictive is this music that many of the Eldar who live around the club are frequent patrons, and most who spend time in the club just once are nearly always hooked to come back for more. However, I am a Necron, and it is very hard for me to feel any sort to feel any sort of emotion at all, let alone addiction. So my first and last escapade to Club Ardor was an interesting one for me. But for you, dear reader, it may be the reason enough for you to go to Kamora in the flesh and see the confines of the club for yourself. I was greeted at the door by a certainly not sober Eldar. Biological scans indicated that his body was full of zenithylproxene 5 hexafacylate, a well-known hallucinogenic and excitatory substance. He ushered me inside with a single greeting. Welcome to the time of your life! I knew not what he meant by this. As I walked inside, I could immediately see the raw energy this place held at all times bequeathed before my eye. It was a massive bar, full of nearly any substance you could use and abuse to your heart's content, be it all sorts of exotic food, liquors, and other drinks, or all manner of chemical cocktails, some of which I had not even seen before. The effects that they have, at least from some quick scans, are nearly off the charts, even when compared to intense combat enhancers. To the right, there was a massive spiral stairwell, with the upstairs dubbed Honored Guests and Staff Only, and the bottom dubbed The Vortex of Sin. From downstairs, I heard many, many screams of agony and fear. From upstairs, I heard the screams of pain and pleasure. I would have simply descended into the vortex, however the central attraction of the club and the reason I was here had caught my eye, the dance floor. The club was stuffed full of Eldar from all walks of life, malformed Eldari like mandrakes, and even a few humans of sorts, all performing various hedonistic acts all around the club. But the dance floor was almost comparable to a writhing orgy of flesh and light that seemed to endlessly move in such a way that was insanely captivating. As a creature that struggles to feel emotion, I felt myself being drawn in, as if I too wanted to spasm my various appendages around to the strange, blaring electronic noise emanating from the front of this dance floor. All the Eldari on the dance floor were each moving in a different way. Some were dancing alone, and some were dancing in a sensual way with others. Some were dancing in a slow, methodical rhythm, and some were spastically moving about, as if they were hyped up on drugs. In hindsight, I realized they probably were on drugs. The floor itself was also ablaze with lights of all different colors from the normal color spectrum, and some from the other spectrums of light found within the warp. This light show was only amplified even further by three factors. First, the area above the dance floor was a three-story tall cylindrical formation topped with a dome, covered entirely with reflective paneling. Secondly, almost all of the Eldari on the floor had symbols, lines, and other sigils painted upon their clothes, or sometimes upon themselves. All of these seemed to not only reflect whatever color they were painted as, they almost seemed to generate their own in the mild darkness of the building. But the strangest source of light was the orb hanging from the inside of the cylinder. It was cruel, 
even in comparison to the rest of the city, and it emanated a grotesque green-blue glow from all angles, as if it were a macabre disco ball. When I focused my audio sensors toward it, I could hear it screaming. However, no one heard the screams over the blasting music. The one who was playing the music was even more crazy-looking than the scene. He was atop a booth around ten feet above the floor that was coated from top to bottom in lights, speakers, fog machines, flesh, and barbed chains. Some of the chains had slaves hanging from them, being pushed around with the sound of the music. The thing within the booth was a very curious sight, being a nearly fully robotic being with lots of vials, life support systems, and other things of that nature rigged up to it. Naturally, I scanned this Admech-esque being, and two different scans came up with it being a human life form. Yes, a human. Behind him, there was an array of subwoofers extending up into the sides of him. Each of them had a slave chained to it, and every time the bass pounded, they shook and writhed in agony. Some of them appeared to be already dead, and were still hanging there for decoration. I was ready to explore the rest of the club when two Eldari in gray and white armor came to me. They asked what a Necrom was doing within the Dark City, and more specifically, what I was doing in the club. I explained that I was a reporter doing a documentary of their club, and they immediately took me to see the owner of this. This unexpected gesture of kindness was strange in the extreme to me, and it was only after speaking to the owner that I understood why they took me to see him. We went up five flights of stairs in the employees-only section of the building, and it was then that I noticed there were speakers in every room of the building, also blasting the music from the dance floor. Eventually, we hit the top floor of the five-story building, and we came to a door that said, Mickey Mazrovar, owner of Club Ardor. This name, I can only assume, would sound just like the low-gothic name, Mickey. They pushed open the door, explained that I was a reporter, and I heard a voice within say, Brilliant. Let him in here. The Eldar's office was gorgeous. It was full of various trophies, some luxurious, some dead, some still alive and breathing. But the most impressive thing was what the Eldar sat upon. It was an office chair made entirely of hands. Closer inspection of the hands revealed that they all came from human women and atop this chair there were five spikes, upon two of which sat skulls from dead Eldar. The Eldar on the chair was comfortably sitting, smiling at me. He had a bald head, but where, what hair he did have was back in a ponytail behind his head. The complexion of the Eldar was actually darker than most of the others I had seen, and his overall composure was shrewd and elderly. The most peculiar detail about him, however, was his attire. He was dressed in no armor, had no weapons on him from what I could see. Instead, he wore a quite dapper nobleman's suit and coat, as if stolen from a planetary governor. As he smiled, I could see a singular gold tooth in the corner of his mouth. His whole aspect reeked of greed, knowledge, and power, and all three of these aspects of his being became very clear to me as I sat down in front of him for the following interview. Greetings, Mr. Mickey Mazrovar. I am Zeroth Mordrek, a cryptic of the now-dead Hrotek dynasty. I came to Kamora to learn about your club, and more specifically, the music that comes from here. Would you care to enlighten me? Ah, a fellow patron of the arts. Like myself, 
I'll gladly tell you just about anything you'd like to know. His voice was as scummy as his appearance, and it always seemed to be saying that it knew something I didn't. Let's start with how this club came about. What inspired you to make Club Ardor into what it is now? He grinned. Well, Zeroth, to know that you gotta know me. I was born actually upon a craft world and was, since birth, destined to be a warrior of the Eldari. However, good I was at fighting. My real love and interest was music. But the Eldari wanted me to be a fighter, not a romantic, and so I left. I ran around the galaxy past that point as a mercenary, using my money and my time to search for more exotic sounds. However, eventually, my addiction to music knew nearly everything in the Materium. So I hitched a ride with a shady dark Eldar I had met to Kamora. He planned on enslaving me and giving me to his cabal in hopes of a promotion. So, naturally, I killed him, took his armaments, and posed as him till I managed to get my own bar. I tell ya, I wouldn't have made it as far without my prior life as a warrior. These dark Eldar wretches barely know how to fight properly sometimes. How very interesting. So you had a very prestigious life laid out for you, and you gave it all up just for music? No, not just music. At first it was my music. But now that I'm here in the city of nightmares, I love my life. I never knew just how much I'd enjoy the taste of a freshly tortured and abused soul. Right. Uh, sadly, that is a feeling I cannot reciprocate. I have not tasted anything for hundreds of millions of years. Now, you said you purchased a bar? No, not purchased. I killed the prior owner and took it over. It had a steady enough stream of drunks, but the previous owner was a useless piece of shit. So I put him down and renamed the joint to the Sultry Slave. This was around two years since me arriving at Kamora, which was already in a bit of a tizzy, like... Eighty years or so before that was when Vect first took control. So I was at just the right city at the perfect time when everything was rebuilding. So then, by my calculations, this would mean you are approximately 7,000 years old, correct? You'd be right. You live a long time in a city like this when you stick to your own business and don't fuck around with all the stupid bureaucratic bullshit that the cabals and cults try to shove down your throat. I blew under the radar, so I've lived for quite a long while. Ain't got as much to show for it as someone like Vect, though. But that's less because of me blowing under the radar and more because of the ethical differences between me and the Dark Eldar. You see, my own, sorry, you see, most of my kin are willing to do anything to reach the top, even backstabbing what few friends they may have. However, I believe that a friend is one of the most dangerous weapons you can have, and trust is sometimes way more helpful than it is deadly. This is an intriguing concept for me. You go against the very thing the Dark Eldar are known for, 
How do you get away with this? How does it work? <laughs> well, Zeroth, it all started back in the sultry slave. There was the occasional patron, lowly street ganger, right? Well, there was a bounty on his head because he had enough of the gang he was with. So some guy comes in acting all tight, saying he was going to shoot my customer. I told him he's got one chance to leave my bar or I'd kill him myself. He didn't believe me. Look over on that wall there. Turning around, I saw a flayed face on Mickey's wall. That's where that went. The other patrons, and the one I saved, all had a new respect for me at that point, and they were willing to help me improve my old watering hole, add in some new attractions for the patrons to spend their time. That was when we added in the sex dungeon. A while after that, though, that's when I really understood my boy's loyalty to me. Some prick came into my bar and threatened my life. Some lowly, vat-born, cabalite dickhead. When he, sa- when he said he'd take my life, three different patrons stood up without a second thought and blew the guy's head clean off. His heart is in the glass jar over there. Amazing. This sort of loyalty... Is it like a code of honor, or do you have to enforce it? I ain't got to enforce shit, pal. I keep my men supplied with booze, drugs, food, slaves, and any other pleasure you can think of. So they keep me alive. Otherwise, they lose all of it. Nobody can run this place better than I can. But I extend the same protection to any of my patrons. If you ain't got a family there... We're more than willing to let some in in some new blood, no matter who you are. That's where my number one rule comes in. You don't ever hurt another patron. Truly, you provide all this protection and care for anyone that comes into this club? You bet your metal ass I do. All my ardorites in my service are frequent patrons to the club. They all are willing to do any job in the world for me. Because then they're helping contribute to their favorite place and get paid for it. It's a win-win scenario for everyone involved, including me. Tell me more about your ardorites. Are they your arm outside the webway? Yes, sir, they are. Way back before the first expansion, I just called the folks who'd help me the mob. But... After we cleared out a few blocks to build the first iteration of Club Ardor, I needed a real name for my men and women, really exemplify our family bond. So, we became the Adorites. That was when we really started to make our mark on the world. Every day, there was a new raid being scheduled for some new tech... For some new tech for the club or something of the sort. Hell, if we were looking for something, we just went out for for some good old-fashioned murder and advertising. I'm always looking for new visitors and employees. If you don't mind, could you elaborate on what you mean by an expansion? I'd like to know what you really mean by that. I don't mean anything outside of exactly what you're thinking. I'm nothing if not honest, after all. Anyways, 
Club Ardor has had two expansions. The first was four city blocks in a square. We demolished every single one of the buildings and slaughtered all of the inhabitants in order to turn the original bar into the first founding of Club Ardor. The second was when we had too many patrons for the smaller size of the bar, and I had gotten tired of being DJ and the club owner. DJ? <clears throat> I'm sorry, I've never heard that term before. Oh, it's uh, short for disc jockey. I ran the music as well as the club, and it was quite a drain on me. One man can do all, can't do all that, so I decided that I would need a DJ. But for what could very possibly be the best nightclub in Kimura, I needed a man of prestige and, a, and of musical talent. So my Otterites went out, scouring the materium for a man of quality, and they found it in a rogue trader named Samuel Moore. This guy knew music almost as good as I know it, but his sound was so rudimentary compared to what we had to offer. So... I got around all my men, my ships, and I came in person to kidnap this man as, my sh as the shining jewel of my new club. And this was the cyborg I saw running the sound booth? You betcha. He now goes by the alias of Strielk. He's been alive for maybe um, a thousand years or better now. We picked uh, him up in M40... And when he started to show signs of deteriorating, we rigged him up with everything we could keep him, everything we could to keep him going. Now he's basically more machine than man, and most of the machines are rigged directly into the music systems. He's got a level of control with the sound unlike anything you can comprehend. Oh well, maybe you could comprehend it, seeing as uh, what you are. I am a Necron, and yes, I certainly can comprehend it. Now, what about your Adorites? Ardorites, sorry. What makes them so special? <laughs> what doesn't make them special is the real question. Bodyguards, private army, club protectors, and patrons. But at the same time, they're crazy party animals. I only have a few requirements for a patron to become an ardorite. Be devoted to the club in all aspects of your being. Love what you do for a living. Obey my word as if it was the word of God. And lastly and most importantly, feel the music in every fiber of your dark, dreadful soul. Feel the music? I don't... Yeah. I know you don't follow. You'd have trouble feeling anything in that metal shell, wouldn't you? In that case, let me show you what I mean. Come, come. We then stood up from his desk and walked down a hallway within his office, passing by many a brutal sculpt made of decaying remains. He then unlocked a large metal door, and it swung wide into a room filled with screens. Some of them showed activities within the club, activities too depraved for myself to write down within the confines of this article. But the screens toward the middle of this room showed footage of raids through cameras placed on Eldari ships and warriors. The cameras were shaking, and I noticed that the cameras still shook along with the beat of the music below. 
these raids were being live-streamed. And Mickey had access to direct his army as he saw fit from the confines of his lair in the club. See how they work? How they fight? They're all feeling the music. Hell, even the folks there taking and killing are feeling it. Kind of hard for them not to with how loud we blare the noise. Sure enough, he was right. All the Ardorites were fighting with a lightning-fast, rampantly angry, and brutally sadistic style. More so than almost any other Eldar fighting force I had seen before. They had no grace, no style, and were doing exactly whatever they saw fit. Some raiders were massacring anything they came across. Some were hooking chains into the flesh of their lessers. Some were throwing flyers for more club notoriety and some were doing despicable things to their victims, with said victims still alive during the act. What is this? Take that one alive! He shouted into a microphone, and one of the Eldar snagged a beautiful young woman with a chain. It lodged into her leg, and she was reeled back, screaming into his grasp. Mickey then pressed a button on a large board of buttons, and yelled into the microphone once more, That's the plant! Take it! Now! Suddenly, another Eldar on screen leapt into action and took a strange-looking flower from an even stranger-looking tree. Suddenly, a massive dinosaur-like beast encroached around the tree and Mickey roared, Run! Go! We can't afford to lose this plant! The Eldar then turned and ran as fast as he could. Mickey then turned to face me. This is where I oversee my operations. Wasn't it obvious? No, I, I mean your soldiers. They move with no proper precision, no real incentive or direction other than mayhem. This is how you get things done? Most of them are there for fun. They just, go, they just got done with a go downstairs in one of the many pleasure pits. Or maybe even farther downstairs, they were going nuts on some torture rooms. So, they get tired of that. Shoot up as many hard drugs as possible, go to the third floor hangar, and take off on a raid far a more fun high than usual. They don't know the objective as to why they went there. Only the captain of the raid does, and sometimes he knows, other times he's also whacked out on a space crack. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, I always make sure to oversee the operations. If the music blasting in their helmet stops and my voice cuts in, they know to get straight to business. This is incredible. I know it is. So, will this suffice for your interview? I have only a few more questions to ask you, and then I shall leave your club. All right, shoot. What are the significance of the skulls on your office chair? Oh, they belong to Archons. Two times an Archon has either threatened someone within my club or threatened me directly. So I kill them, and I take their skull as proof that no higher-ups, save maybe one of Vex's top dogs, can tell me what to do. Their souls are still wailing inside the disco ball. And that was going to be my next question. Why is it screaming? Any Eldar killed within the confines of the building by one of my men will have their souls sucked into the globe. 
to sit in torment and watch the light show for all of eternity. I needed a better punishment for fuckers who tried to call the shots around me or break the rules of my club. Ever since I had it implemented, people think twice about breaking my codes. Alright, third question. When will your next expansion be? When you can hear the screaming of the ball above the music. Or when I get too many people for the club's confines again. Right. Now, what do you think of the Yanari? I left the craft world life behind me for a reason. I won't join a damn cult just to go back to what I never wanted in the first place, and neither will my Ardorites. Who exactly are your Ardorites? Where do they come from? Ardorites can be anyone from any walk of Eldar life. They, uh, be they a Kabbalite, a Humunculi, a witch, a Hellion, you name it. If they want a real family, they just need to come to Papa Mickey. Lastly, to wrap up the interview, I would like one last statement from you as a quote for the ending of the article I'm writing. So, Mickey, what would be your biggest goal for this universe and for yourself? I got no intentions to be the leader of a district, nor a leader of a cabal, or anything of the sort. I'm convinced that this universe is dying, and I know for damn sure that as the universe creeps closer and closer to death, I'll just get more and more business. Ain't no point in trying to stop the inevitable. Only real choice is to profit off this hell till it croaks, and you can take that to the bank. Thank you very much for your precious time, Mickey Masrovar. Hey, you're one of the few folks I've met who's lived for longer than me, so trust me, pal. I got a hell of a lot more time than most. We then shook hands, he gave me a flyer, and I left his office. Leaving the club, I was impacted by the sheer size of all I had just learned about Eldar life. Even the lords of sin and vice still could go even darker and deeper into their debauchery than initially thought. Not only that, but these visceral raiders can be seen actually having familial values rather than simply murdering one another for a cheap thrill. I suppose what Mickey said is true. Enough hard drugs and enough wonderful sin can keep anyone enthralled. As I roved out of earshot of the deafening music, I realized, finally, the club's motto. Everyone who entered Club Ardor suddenly became another slave to its dark depravity. Had I not been a soulless machine, I most certainly would stay there as long as I could have, at least till I dropped dead on the dance floor. But even then, the end would not be there, as I would still be subjected to the noise and the lights and the motions of the club as a spirit within that dreadful ball. Flying out of the webway back into real space, I pinned the flyer upon the walls of my cockpit, knowing that I would never return to that dark place, only in memory. However, you, dear reader, if you are a being of sin and vice, there is no better place in the universe for you than Club Ardor. This article was written by Zeroth Mordrek, investigative journalist and reporter for Zeroth's Guide to the Universe, 597M41, about the author.
Xeroth Mordrek is a cryptic of a dead Necron dynasty. With no one else to answer to, he decided to get answers from everyone, as a rogue traitor with distinct ties to the Imperium of Man. Now a reporter, Xeroth is allies with nearly everyone, and enemies with very few. He'd even interview a Tyranid, if they could speak. No story has a trail too hard to follow, and no corner of the galaxy is too far away for his Necron and his one-man cruiser. For this Necron and his one-man cruiser. He enjoys long walks upon night worlds, Jokeros, a great story to read, and even greater ones that still have yet to be written. And that's a that's a wrap. Woo. That's a long story. Wow. That was uh that was really nice to read. It was. It was, was. Yeah. It was fun to yeah. do it with you actually. Yeah, it, was it, it felt like we're yeah, there's a good flow to it. Yeah. 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 It was an audio drama. It, yeah. Uh, so, first of all, um, so he is a Necron. He's part of a dead dynasty, the Morthek dynasty or Mortek dynasty or something. Um, and he's going around the galaxy, I guess, just collecting stories. Yeah, and, he's like a kind of an independent journalist yeah, almost. And, yeah, and this one led him to Kamora. What do you think? <laughs> Do you like the way he portrayed Kimura? Do you like the idea of this Necron floating around? I don't know. What do you think? I got a lot of thoughts. So I'll go last here. I, <laughs> I just just share one. Uh, no, no, no. It, it all flows together. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I, I think it was an interesting concept. I think, like, um, yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, to, to write something that's that long... Um, like that was probably what half an hour that it was a solid half hour. Yeah, so I, it had good flow to it, and I, yeah, it kind of seemed like it felt like a, you know, like if you remember, I don't know if anyone <laughs> reads newspapers still, <laughs> but if you remember, like page, you know, twenty eight of the newspaper, there'd be like some. Um, it felt like a mystery novel. It felt like I was. So what it was was like in. Like a 1960s um, detective. That's exactly yeah. what I yeah, felt. Private Eye. Yeah, yeah. Even farther back. I yeah. flicked my cigarette. 1920s. Yeah. And it had like some oh, crazy noir like, music. I, yeah, I guess so. And like it was that like ties black into and what white. I was going to talk about. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. a vibe. I saw the vibe I got the whole time, but there were some times I definitely slipped into. You know, he's describing what it was like to be and seeing these sights, and I definitely felt that sometimes. Yeah. I, yeah, there was a noir, is what it is. noir uh, vibe to yes. it. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the word, noir. Yeah, yeah. yeah even um, like some of the Lovecraft that I've read, uh, similar kind of format to it or the device that's used, the way that it's kind of that interview with like a starting and an ending. And yeah, it was like an old school format that I, I thought was was interesting. Yeah, it's also like a perfect like short story too. Mm. Like, yeah, you, there's a lot of world building in yeah, the yeah, form yeah. of a dialogue, and which I really like. World and character building too. Yeah. yeah, like so, it's like a very. This guy should uh, try and write for forty k. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, or for games workshop. It's not like most of the stuff we receive is descriptive, and it just tells us information. Yeah, um, yeah. and it kind of just it could really just be like point form, really, but. A story like this, which we don't get often, that is is really enjoyable to read, really, and probably takes more effort to write. Oh, way more as a yeah, credit, like a descriptive writing. Yeah. Is, yeah, and you know, what? not that there's anything wrong with the other stuff. It's just <laughs> this is another level of effort. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, 
well, it sucks for whoever has to go next. Uh, <laughs> their stuff. Uh, it's kind of a high watermark to start with. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think from like a writing standpoint, a couple of things that jump out to me as being really good in this story is um, when you're writing a conversation between two people, you want to make sure that their voices sound different. And so, I mean, he's got two different races, uh, like alien yeah. races there, right? And so um, if they all sound the same, that's yeah. that's not good. And a lot of writers... Yeah, like the way they talk is yeah. both very different. So he, he, yeah. it was a great job. Yeah, he used specific words. Yeah. Like and the Necron, really like the, the, write, the author, whatever his Zareth. name is, Zareth, is like a little more robotic you know as he should yeah. be and then and yeah, the then one's the, using slang yeah yeah the, and then the the eldar guy is the you know yeah it, so you did his voice however you feel it was right yeah but as he's reading it i got like a very different voice in my head for than what jordan was saying so I don't know if, if that was you guys. Are you criticizing the no, voice no, no. that Jordan I, used? I don't care. I, I was yeah. going and told, I was like, I was just thinking like, what would an Eldar sound, sound like? like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's, that's tough. No, that, for yeah, sure. that is. And then you started speaking slang. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait, it's a hick Eldar? No, yeah. but all I could think was, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Okay. Oh, that was, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, like when you started, so there's one line, like one line, okay. I got no intentions to be the leader of a district, <laughs> nor leader of a cabal or anything of the sort. Yeah, like a, I'm convinced that this universe is dying. Like that's how it's I It's a gangster, yeah. You yeah. just need a little sleazier though. Uh, I don't, I, I think, I think your I voice is I can isn't quantify too. sleazy. But, but also. Not, not so successful yeah. of a gangster. <laughs> that's what you got to think. This, this is not a criticism to you at no, all. No, no, I know. Okay. Right. I, I no, I'm like because uh, I was kind of going in blind. I didn't read the yeah, story. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, none, none of us have read it. So. But uh, but uh, the only thing I would say is like I think what maybe w- I would have thought more of that voice, but it was it was almost like this setting of like a rave setting. Right. I, I wasn't thinking like nineteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. So there's a scene like in, Italian in the Matrix. Mafia, yeah. There's a scene in the Matrix where Neo goes, follows the White Rabbit to the club. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's like if that club was playing dubstep, <laughs> that's what it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, I think they're playing like dig through the ditch, whatever that song is. Uh, oh, Rob yeah. Zombie. Yeah. Rob Zombie. Yeah. That's yeah. what like they're playing. Yeah. But if they're playing dubstep. That's like the vibe you yeah, would kind of yeah, get yeah. walking into this thing. Yeah. So enough, enough about the story, like the like the particulars. Like, tell me about the like. Did it fit in the world? Like, how do you think he built this Eldar? Do you think it fit with your idea of an Eldar or the Necron? And like, I want to hear about that. So that's where I kind of hit the wall the most. Um, it. I didn't know it was a Necron unless it was explicitly said. It was explicitly it was. said right in the beginning. Yeah. But like kind of glazing over that and like getting into the story, like it started to lose that Necronness to okay. it. I do enjoy the character. I like the little bio at the end. I was wondering if we were going to get that because the whole time I was wondering like, why is this Necron doing this? Why does he care? Yeah. And so the 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 story at the end about the author, um, really made it work for me, which I do like him as a character. Okay, you just don't it's think it's a true representation of a Necron. My, my bigger problem is with, point, with the with the Eldar. Um, the way he's portrayed. So it is exactly that, not, like mafia gangster pastiche, which I don't think necessarily fits. I get what he's going for. Even the, the character's name, Mickey Cohen, yeah, was, a, yeah, was yeah. a big mobster, right? And uh, and I, I swear this guy's playing L.A. Noir because <laughs> that's like totally the vibes I'm getting from this story. Um, and yeah, like the name. So you guys, the audience obviously can't 
read it, but the way it's written right. is trying to be written like the same name, Mickey Cohen. It's phonetically the same, yeah, but, but it's it not written, written the same. Exactly. So. Yeah, which is one thing to consider because when you're writing things, you're not necessarily thinking about it being read aloud in the format that you guys do. But obviously they're submitting it to this. Mm-hmm. And the listener lore is, is that. So that's something yeah. to consider even for people who are writing their own listener lore that it might... You've done enough to change it in how it looks when you're reading it in the print, but when it sounds like Mickey Cohen, yeah. you may want to actually change it change a it little more. more. And actually, GW does this a lot with what we were just talking about earlier about Kimura and uh, the way Eldar call humans monkey. It's supposed to be <laughs> monkey. But when it's written out, it's M-O-N-K-E-I-G-H, right? So reading it, you don't really make that connection. But yeah. when you verbalize it yeah. as Monkey, yeah. you understand what they're actually going for. Yes, yeah. yeah. And again, like the there's author, a phonet- there's a, a phonetic level to what's happening. Yeah, but, you, but I don't think that doesn't really take away from the identity no. of this Eldar in particular. And he's also doing it in line with what GW does. GW set that precedent. He's yeah. just carrying it on. So I, I'm not pinning it on him for anything. So you don't think this Eldar was Eldari enough? It it just seemed too 1940s gangster. I I would kind in my of, mind like that's yeah. all I could see. That's all I was I picturing. The, like, I think that's a fair... knowing the names like you know Mickey you... Cohen is talking like a gangster, not yeah. like. A... So you see that as a detractor? Yeah, it didn't. To me, it, it kind of pulled me out of 40k. And it, like I'm all for this stuff. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I love like 40k is hyper derivative of everything. We were talking about this earlier. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not opposed to it. I just I don't know if it fits quite for the characters involved. If it was like some kind of human gangster, maybe that would work a you, little bit. The better. Eldar are just supposed to be so above just something every, more alien. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah like what, then not a human historical. Yeah. yeah I that's I, t- I think that's tough. That that's a tough that's, criticism. Yeah, that's I think. fair. And I mean all their characters pull from human yeah. cultures, right? Like this pow- yeah. the tower definitely space Japanese, right? Like there's there's some pretty manga. <laughs> manga. <laughs> the anime is art. That's what Nathan would say if he was here. <laughs> uh, sorry, Jordan, were you going to say something? Uh, I was just saying, like, that, yeah, the... Uh, I, 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 I kind of felt the same way as Christian. Like, I wasn't sure how to pin this Eldar, who is, like, this sleazy bar owner. Like, because Eldar are, like, a like a high a higher people you know almost like a, a yeah. classy kind of people if you will <laughs> <laughs> they have the pinky out every yeah, time yeah they, exactly they drink <laughs> like but at least that's my own stereotyping of the eldar yeah so um but yeah that, i i think that i think it's fair but i mean it was still a good narrative for sure yeah Peter? Uh, yeah, so I have a question for you guys because maybe you've read uh, more of the Games Workshop books than I have. I doubt it. Because, uh, well, like, I, <laughs> I haven't read anything more so, than I have. Because you're talking about like, has read the, the names and, and how they do that. And yeah. So, do they often do things like describing things that we're familiar with, like a DJ or things like that, <laughs> in Sorry, a way I'm where, saying. like, the aliens are you know, finding it out or needing to. Because, I mean, that's something that happened in the story here. Yes. And I thought it was interesting at first, like the dubstep. (laughs) Uh, But then when it got to the point of, like, describing what a DJ DJ is, a disc jockey, it just felt like it was a bit much. But maybe that's just following a trend that already exists in some of the 40K. First of all, with 40K, they have so many different authors that I couldn't give one answer for all of them. Right. Um, has it been done before, though? Yes, absolutely. It has been done before, yes. and that's the th- that's the thing that's so hard about this is that where's that sweet spot of like okay, it's too on the nose, and then right. where is the spot of like 
it's you get the a reference. Wink you at the audience, yeah, you know what they're talking about, but it's still not different pulling enough. them out completely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and there are there are moments in 40k, but in the past where that happens, um, and so it's still in line, I guess, with what has been done. There, so. there is a lot of it in this one. I think if. Like, if you were to be like, oh, why why would he put so much in it? I think you can easily explain anything away personally. But it's not to, like he found, like, an ancient manuscript and it literally right. described a rave, right, or the inside of a DJ. So, like, obviously they don't have discs anymore. Like, the word right. disc yeah, jockey di- means absolutely mean? nothing right. to them. So, like, I I might not personally have written it like, like he did, but it... It, it it's fits. not unbelievable. Yes, it is not right. unbelievable. For um, sure. My something I want I kind of wanted to go back to was your idea of like you're not sure this Eldar actually fits into like an archetypal Eldar. Uh, so first of all, the galaxy is big enough for everything to exist. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Right. And second of all, there are Eldar that just completely deny who they are and go to live their own life and and latch on to like uh, the thing about being a dark eldar is that you give yourself wholly to an i like you can give yourself wholly to an idea and and like go down the path of it till you're lost like that's it kind of just feels like that's who he is and like this was just a natural progression like there's no way he was talking like that when he lived on the craft world Right. It's just kind of it's a persona that he's developed. I doubt this was how he was talking to when he was on the craft world. That's kind of what it feels like. No, no, that's fine. It's it's more the language that's used. It's the way it's written. It to me, all I hear is like a gangster. Like specifically it's like if um if a character, you know, started speaking in a, a very obvious accent, right? Like say a Russian accent and it's supposed to be this like pseudo Soviet character, right? But there is an accent that pervades almost all of like Games Workshop talks, and that's like the British. brother. Yeah, it's it's a very like imperialistic like. Um, yeah, no, I'm not saying. And that that's an accent that pervades everything. So yeah, and is orcs it, speak like uh, what do you call them? Pirates. No I don't know. street. Uh, all I'm saying is that like ebonics. No, no, because I'm not sure where you're no, going. Um, it's like the British. Like, like Cockney? Fo- football. Yeah, Cockney. That's what okay. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, they have like a Cockney accent, football hooligan, like way of speaking. Yeah, I know it doesn't fit into the normal, but is it is that the problem with it? Just that it's not normal? No, no, or no. you just it, think it's, it's just too, too familiar? Yes, it's too familiar to me personally. Just mm. like, again, like I feel like he just played L.A. Noir and is like, <laughs> oh, that's a sweet. And even the format of like these interviews and stuff sure. is just like, to me, it just screams too much. Hmm. And I'm not saying it's. I'm just saying it's not maybe what I... It pulled me out, is all I'm saying. You wouldn't have written it that hard. No, yeah. And, like, I'm all for these nods, man. Like, I'm working on an episode all about it. I'm (laughs) sure you know. But um, I'm all for the nods. Yeah. I'm all for the nods and the winking to the audience. I'm all for that stuff. I don't want to come off as, like, oh, you should never, you know, divorce it completely from reality. Um, I love that stuff. Peter. Um, I just think it was too much in this case. Yeah, yeah just going back to a positive since Christian's just totally... <laughs> Oreo it, you know? Oreo. Uh, one of the things that I, I did like is uh, it's not always easy when you're writing something to do a good job of the description and then switch into a conversation and then go back to description. So like what we often see is just a lot of description and nobody's actually even talking to anybody. Right. Uh, or you'll just see like a conversation. But I thought he did a great job of moving between those two formats which is more what you'd see in a novel a or more a, of a, a yeah, a, yeah an a established real, writer yeah, yeah 
from a technical perspective, this is a, awesome. Like, oh, yeah, I really probably the one of the best ones we've ever yeah read definitely for like, sure. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and then I think. Um, so you took notes, Peter. Is that why you're looking at your phone? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh. the whole time, man. I'm 100 percent in. So I get my question. I don't know if this is where you're going, but what did you think of the ending? And like as the story was going along, I, I felt like one of the hard things is in the middle of the story. I felt like it was kind of dragging for me in the middle of that interview process when they're in the office, but they're not in the special room yet with the screen. Right, where yeah. I was just kind of going. I feel that. Where is this going? I, I don't know if I was yeah, hooked. Are they like enough feeling each other to just out to get to the interview? Continue reading. I was kind of just losing. It, my the question I just kept asking is like, what is what's the point? Mm. Why am I interested in this? That that kind of component. And so then when we got to that kind of payoff at the end of them going out and fighting, and then even. Um, like, am I understanding it right? The souls are being sucked into anyone the, who dies within the club. Their soul goes into the ball, the, the disco orb, ball. Yeah. Even which the would be like an Eldar disco ball. Like he uses I, it to describe it. Yeah, sorry, it's a little heavy handed. Yeah, okay, carry on. But yeah, so just what did you guys think of the ending to it? Do you think it accomplished what the story was setting out to do? And yeah, I did. The ending I agree. work it, for you? Yeah, I, I like the ending actually, to be honest, and I really liked. Um, even as a war band, like in my mind, I could totally picture this as being a pretty. It's a cabal. A sweet. This guy has yeah. created a cabal. And it's without talking, without being a cabal. Right. Exactly. Which is interesting. It's it's more of a natural progression. It's a gang turned into a family, turned into a protection system, now turned into a gathering mercenary system. Right. Like it's yeah. No, he is I love a cabal. it. I and love it. Archons have come to kill him, and he just kills them. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I do love that. Like payoff at the end is like you noted at the beginning, totally Chekhov's gun. Right. Like mm-hmm. oh, that's a strange orb there go into the interview and then it concludes with you know who's plotting i i enjoyed it i agree it maybe dragged a little bit in the middle but i think it's just him trying to like a lot of exposition yeah I, I, exactly but, there was a lot that he was trying to get across yeah. using the format of the interview which at some points worked really well and at other points i felt some of the questions were kind of unnatural yeah. or didn't kind of fit because there was more exposition to kind of get across. Yeah, but in terms of the overarching story, I, I enjoyed it. I like the payoff at the end, personally. I enjoyed it. That's it solid good. for me. It was good. Yeah, there's there's no like. It was like nice to read. Yeah, there's yeah. no story oh, sure. inconsistencies. Like it's not like he's writing. Oh, Sanguinius's soul is actually trapped in this ball. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I fully expect every once in a while to run into someone who does stuff yeah. like that. But this, like, the only problems we have are like technical. Like it's a little too much uh, gangster oh, accent, it's, it's right? Like that's the minor, yeah, this minor minor grade. part <laughs> yeah. compared to how much we enjoyed the story. One of the best, uh, things and so I've I want to do one last minor, uh, just a little <laughs> criticism. Yeah, well, the just, only just a, just, just, just a small criticism. Story. It just makes you better. You're refining. <laughs> no, I hate criticism. Honestly, like <laughs> criticism is terrible. So oh you, yeah, you there's hate, only you a couple. It? There's only a couple people that I willingly accept criticism from. Yeah. Mark is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought the question uh, where uh, he's asking, he says, so Mickey, uh, what would be your biggest goal for this universe and for yourself? That just seemed like a, an odd question. I don't know if uh, this Necron, he concludes all his interviews that way. Maybe <laughs> this maybe is part of like a serialized story where it's like that's his big kind of punchy question at the end. But you know, it just felt to me like asking, what's your goal for the universe is kind of an odd big question 
knowing uh knowing his backstory though and knowing the necron i actually don't think it's that strange to okay be honest um help me to understand then yeah like so to, to me this guy's kind of lost and so he's looking for answers universal answers right? Zareth is lost yeah you know he's he's lost his dynasty and stuff so he's looking almost for like a purpose in life so he goes around interviewing characters from across the galaxy and like his main goal i'm sure he could have his own story arc sure, of like sure. you know interviewing these different pieces and characters and i'd actually love to see this searching guy. for even the meaning. question yeah exactly what is the meaning right? of my existence and why yeah. do i function do i even have a right. meaning so yeah. and that's why he's asking this random club owner he's like hey and i it's weird i've had these conversations with people sometimes in real life they'll just drop a weird like life question on you and you're like we're not talking about that at all but no, I think it fits with the character and, and the Necron. The, specifically the fact that he is a Necron. The, so like an Eldar is functionally immortal. Like they're not going to die of old age, probably, that we've seen. Um, but they are more likely to die. Like this guy's life is under threat, right? So it, he does have like a shorter life than a Necron will. And so the Necron's perspective is immortality. And he truly believes that he's going to live to see the death of the galaxy or yeah, the universe, universe right? Yeah. So to him to ask this is like, like, what's your goal? And if your goal What are you is, doing next week? <laughs> right. But more it's like, what are you doing 10,000 years from now? Yeah. Right? Like maybe if he's around Kimura, he'll swing back and see, like, did, did you yeah. do it? Like, what have you accomplished? Has Since it been worth it? Yeah. yeah. Like you gave me your purpose has it actually been fulfilling for you, right? And then that's kind of Zeros' own goal is to find, like, what is his purpose and is he ever going to be fulfilled? It kind of feels like he's on the hunt and journey yeah. for something that can fill the empty soul inside of him. Nothing can, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I, I actually personally like that. I yeah. like this character a lot. Like I said, I don't know who wrote this. Side. Side lightning. Side, where, wherever you are, if you're listening to this. Yeah, write, great job. Write more. Write more with this guy. I like this character. Yeah. And build this cabal. I'd like to see it on the tabletop. Yeah, the cabal. The all the. Uh, all right, uh, fine. Let's talk about the cabal itself. All like the hard drugs that they're using. <laughs> like the fact that there's no coordination. Space crack. Yeah, the space crack line was fantastic. <laughs> I laughed pretty good at that. Yeah, that's where it's like two on the nose for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, obviously, no one calls it space. Do crack. you want space drugs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want some death sticks? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like he he has a really good flavor to his cabal. Like I hope he plays Dark Eldar, and I hope he actually has the cabal of the Ardorite, right? Or but he doesn't Sitting call them the cabal; shelf, yeah. that he calls them just the Ardorites, right? Like yeah. no, I love it. And just yeah. ramshackle. I hope he like paints his like some of them just aren't wearing armor. Everything like the, nothing is uniform or anything. Oh, he just pulls out like a giant boombox and sets it on the <laughs> table and cranks it up to full Dump volume. Step. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's fucking do this. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah. It, it was really good world building. Fantastic story. All right. Let's uh, let's get into another. We're almost an hour in, and that was only one story. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Let's, uh, who wants to read the next one? Christian? Peter? Christian, all right. So this is a story uh, submitted by Guy. You're going to have to give me two seconds. I just got to scroll. Did you, uh, you give her a close? I don't know what oh. the battery life on that iPad is at. It's 46%. Good. Oh, you're good. If Gucci. this is not another hour-long story, then we should be good. All right. Uh, this is from Guy, and it's House of the Black Douglas. Cedric Douglas knelt on the cold slab floor of the simple chapel, his head bowed deep in prayer. Light streamed through the stained glass window above the altar he knelt before illuminating the room in a rich mix of resplendent colors. The window depicted a stern-looking figure overseeing the chapel, clad in a suit of intricately made copper and gold baroque armor. Preparing for the rites of passage, young Cedric, a voice came from the door of the chapel. Cedric started from his, started from his deep prayer. The 16-year-old had been so lost in his head that he had not heard the preacher enter. Indeed I am, Cedric said. As he rose and turned to face the intruder, I fear that I have still not been able to decide which chapter I should attend for my rights, Preacher Lucas. Preacher Lucas moved out of the shadow of the doorway and into the colored light of the room. He was a wiry figure with close-cropped salt and pepper hair. Beneath his plain robes, he hid a well-scoured body from his time serving as a preacher in the guard. In his youth, Cedric had made the mistake of brashly challenging the older man to a sparring match believing him to be an easy target. That belief was quickly shattered. Along with Cedric's forearm, and pride for that matter. Sorry, that was an awkward pause. Since young man to hone his mind and develop the necessary skills to pilot the blessed war machines of the Black Douglas. The choice is a difficult one, Cedric, but one that must not be made if you are to prove yourself to be worthy of the name you carry. I know, preacher, Cedric paused slightly. Hesitation and fear clouded the young man's face. How can I choose only a single chapter of Dorn's Sons? My brothers had no such issues. Their choice was always clear to them. Diedrich always loved to fight, and if he wasn't in the fighting pits, he was in this very chapel praying. Now he returns gloriously from his rites of passage, bearing the sacred Templar cross on his gallant. And Temel has always said that the Emperor had made it clear to him since birth that he was to attend the excruciators. Excoriators? Yeah, but I, the excruciator is an actual one, isn't it? Excoriators. Excoriator. And serve with them through their time of need in the Eye of Terror. He still serves them to, his, to this day. I have heard he no longer even repairs his knights to full glory. I have no such guidance. I have no such clarity. Cedric slumped into the nearby pews in defeat, head in his hands. Preacher Lucas took a seat beside him. 
My son, the emperor gives light to all of us, even if he maybe don't see it as clearly as others. He gives us our lives meaning, the preacher began. Do you know the reason why we have the rites of passage, young Cedric? Cedric shook his head. Of course he knew the tale, all pilots of the house did, but he always enjoyed hearing the preacher tell it. Through his subtle guidance, Rogaldorn and his loyal sons discovered our planet during our direst hour. Our fortress was beset on all sides by a vicious orc menace. Their wa had grown to a great size and had overcome many of our knights. The villagers had taken refuge in Douglas Castle, and only a few of our greatest knights remained in the field. They were holding the wa at bay, through grit and determination, exemplars of the household, but even they knew it was a losing battle. The foul Xenos crashed wave after wave into our defenses, in some disgusting display of barbarity, as if they were trying to clog our guns and scale our walls using the bodies of their slain. Their numbers seemed without end. It was then that a miracle occurred. That's when in our time of need, Dorn and his sons came to us. The bright yellow drop pods came screaming from the sky, crashing into the battlefield, sowing confusion into orc hordes at our gates as the marines spewed forth a violent and terrible death to the foul Xenos. I was at this point that our knights seized the opportunity and started to push the orcs back with the aid of the marine battle line. Working in unison, we scoured the orcs from this planet in such a way that they have never rose up in such force in 10,000 years. The vengeance wrought upon the orc kind in those times is still legend. Cedric's head was filled with visions of the battle described to him, in the way only a young man can. What a sight that must have been. The Imperial Fist Legion fighting here on Ventos Prime. The thoughts of ancient glory clouded his thinking. He came here himself, you know, Preacher Lucas continued. Rogel Doran, he blessed our humble castle with his presence, walked within these very halls. So much of our house is owed to him. That very day, your ancestor, Hainmon Douglas, swore an oath of fealty to the Imperium that day, at the feet of Rogel Doran. He also made a second oath, recognizing Doran and his holy chapter for saving us. It is this oath that requires all knights of our house to swear a personal oath of honor and serve alongside his chapter. Only when the knight has proven his worth as an honorable warrior to the chapter is the oath considered fulfilled. The preacher stood up and walked towards the stained glass window. Only then can he gloriously return to serve this household. The preacher's voice was starting to get louder. He turned and looked directly at Cedric. Only then can he paint the colors and symbol from the holy sons of Dorn onto his knight, his voice building to a crescendo. Only then is he eligible to become a leader of our people, a glorious figurehead to all, a living embodiment of the greatness of this household. He finished, his fanatical voice raised to the absent masses of the chapel. Cedric stared past the preacher into this ever-judging eyes of Rogel Doran in the stained-glass window. He would never be able to forget those eyes. They had looked over him every day of his life, and every day he had seemed to find him wanting. It was then that a sudden clarity came over Cedric. The simplicity surprised him. How had he not realized earlier what his purpose was? It was so obvious. If he was to ever become worthy of the judgment of Rogel Dorn, he would have to prove himself to the original sons of Dorn. He must swear his oath and fight alongside the Imperial Fists themselves if he was to ever feel worthy of being judged by the venerable Primarch's gaze. Thank you, Preacher, Cedric began. It is clear now who I must swear my oath to. It is clear that I must prove my worth to those original sons. The founding chapter, fighting with the holy imperial fists, is how I must gain my honor. The elderly preach, preacher nodded. A wise choice, young Cedric. I'm sure your father will approve of your choice. You should go now and inform 
him of your choice. I will prepare the chapel for your ceremony of undertaking. Cedric rose and exited the chapel. He turned and looked back at the overbearing visage of Rogaldorn in the window. He felt a mixture of fear, pride, and excitement swell within him as he stared at the figure, eager to fight in the name of the household to end Rogaldorn. Cedric's thoughts turned to what would happen after he made his oath. He would depart immediately to present himself and his knight to the master of the Imperial Fists. The chapter master would judge him then and consider if he was worthy to fight alongside the chapter and show his honor. No greater shame could be brought upon his household than if they were to judge him unworthy of fighting alongside them. The currently unpainted knee armor of his knight would remain forever unpainted. He would never be able to return to his household. He would be cast out, never be able to fulfill his oath. Cursed to roam the galaxy alone in dishonor, just like his uncle Bergond. Sigurd caught himself and immediately cast the thought from his mind. To even mention Birgrund's name any more was heresy. The shame pilot had been found unworthy by the master of the Crimson Fists, and rumor had it now fought rumor had it he now fought against the Imperium alongside the hordes of chaos. Cedric steeled his mind as he made his way to the Great Hall to see his father. He was resolute in his de- determination that the fate would not befall him. He would return to his household in glory, or in death, there was no other path for him. Of this, he was certain. End. All right, thank you, Christian, for reading. Uh, That was uh, Guy's story. Thank you uh, so much. All right, now, thanks for listening to this uh, midnight showing of Listener Lord. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, So it's a story of a young man, and he's a night pilot, obviously. Uh, He's about to go... Uh, ask for permission to fight alongside a Space Marine chapter, which would, pretty, would be a pretty big deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he swears, it sounds like he's like swears fealty to them almost. Yeah. Which is an interesting. Taking an oath, yeah. Yeah, because I, I don't think that normally happens. Um, normally they're more under the purview of the Mechanicum. Sorry, the Mechanicus. Knights. Uh, they're no, more they're the, more independent. They're like, independent. They can be either either or mostly. Yeah, I'd say they're more closely. Uh, I wish Mark was here for this. They're one. more closely <laughs> tied to the Mechanicus than they are chapters. Yeah, like Space Marines specifically. There's yes. a bigger gulf than yeah, for anything. sure. I I like the story of Rogaldorn coming because I bet that story is not how it happened at all. <laughs> no, just think, now I think you're reading into it. No, no, but. no. Think I just this is how I kind of like to imagine it. Right, like that's like a a beautiful story, right? Like what a, what an amazing thing, you know, they crashed from the sky and then we rallied our forces. But in my mind's eye, I'm like, that's not how it happened at all. No, well, how else could it have happened? No, I just like, it was talking about the difference between how history remembers. That's exactly things. what I'm sure. About. I think you're just reading. Uh, you're, and, uh, yeah. Maybe. Like that's an interesting, it's a deconstructionist approach that you're taking, which, sure. you just, know, if you want to, it's but just you can that do that one with line. anything and never trust any text you ever read. But <laughs> I don't think this is what the author's intent. Text. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't care if that's his intent or not. It's just that when I'm thinking about this battle, I'm thinking about the fact that this story has been passed down for 10,000. Like, nothing is passed down for 10,000 years. We don't have stories that are 10,000 years old. 10,000. 
Word of mouth stories, 10,000 sure, years old. Sure, sure, sure. Right? That's what I'm saying is that's a very long time. I just like to think that they have clear- those 6,000-year-old stories, crap, <laughs> garbage. <laughs> yeah, no. I, it's too new, these young. <laughs> I like to – I just like to think about the fact that there's like a 10,000-year history of his like every single son has told this story. Yeah. Every single son – has to swear an oath to some chapter. It's that's oh. a lot of how many times have they had to change out that stained glass? <laughs> I mean, that's a lot, right? Of time. Yeah, no, that and every time it gets like slightly more heroic. Right? No, <laughs> I mean it is a prime mark. It's going to be as heroic as it gets day yeah. one. Um, I yeah, I enjoyed it. I think yeah, I'm going to be Mark's voice in this because he Loves has nights. voices his opinion often on this topic. His voice from prison. His prison voice, yeah. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. <laughs> That's his prison voice. <laughs> um, but anyways, there's uh, there's there seems to be this is like for more lore and tabletop. Um, a lot of people like to field knights alongside their space marine chapters. I personally even like like to do that too. But it's definitely a pet peeve of Marks when people paint them in the colors of a chapter and treat them as part of the chapter. And I think this is this guy's way of kind of like marrying those two ideas. He really wants to field a knight and imperial fists yeah on the tabletop together and he wants his knights to be associated with it um i think this guy does it in a in a good enough way that i i don't have a problem with it but i definitely think someone like mark who's probably listening to you this, think so you know, i think he would have a thing to say about i have a stop st- putting your knights in my imperial i fist. have a story of how my gray knights fight alongside with a knight and that knight is actually painted as the gray knight's armor is yeah like I don't and Mark uh, hasn't said anything to you. No, he he actually enjoys it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Like there's, I think there are ways of doing it without saying this is an imperial fist piloting. Pi- yes, yes. No. There's like you. We need to understand that there is a separation between a knight house and a chapter, and in no way are they like the same thing. Yeah, they don't hold hands at all. Like yeah. th- or like, pilot each other's vehicles. Yes. Yeah. No. Like the knight house, the knights in in a knight house are not joining the brother fraternities of a chapter at all. Yeah. Right. Like they're they're still separate. They just are alliances on the field of battle and war. So I think if you do it that way, and and you don't try to say like they're integrated. Yeah. Which at first I thought this was a story of a guy gonna be a space marine and then i'm like well that's not really how that yeah. happens deciding what chapter he wants to be a part of it was a good it was a good little trick they yeah. got they got me too they got they got my goat yeah they got the goat was got as you say no i uh i don't i don't think that's a huge deal and i don't i personally don't think mark will have a problem with this one i think i think sure, we've seen yeah, i yeah. think we've seen and heard worse ideas yeah that with this one no, he'll be fair. like that's actually not that bad yeah you know? and that's what i'm kind of saying is like i i personally don't have an issue with the way it's done it's a way to marry those two things together on the tabletop without you know being heavy-handed yeah. the idea that also at some point he'll leave yeah right it's right? only temporary he'll, yes yeah. once his oath is fulfilled he will come back and serve his people as a regular knight yeah as, yeah which is cool too yeah I, I like that only those who have fulfilled their oath can become leaders of their people yeah it's short and sweet and it's fairly well written yeah no. it's not even that short this is like our normal it's just that last one was so, so long. long. It, felt yeah, I mean, it short. wasn't that short. No, it's, it's like it felt twelve super short. minutes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, it was good. You enjoyed it? Yeah, I had a little bit of everything. I, I like the the young protagonist, right? Trying to make up his mind, getting some uh, advice from a, a wise. A real uh, hero's journey is art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like a call to adventure and then crossing the threshold, basically. Right. Yeah. 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 There's a formula figure in there, you know. 
yeah it, yeah and the guide figure yeah right. um yeah it, 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 it like it was definitely well written um i didn't feel like pulled in too much into the story it, like it it just seemed very generic to me the like mm. the actual story that that's my only gripe gripe with it yeah and, so you have to be a real knight fan or imperial fist fan to really yeah so the excoriators yeah. is an actual second founding chapter yeah written like I that just too didn't, no yeah i just didn't know how to i was reading it my eyes are moving faster than my mouth yeah yeah no i mean it's cool that it like uh integrates like some of the actual like history around knights and stuff like that but like the just the structure of the story itself is like it's like simple simple yeah. you know so but it was like well done good for an omnibus that's a little short story for an omnibus. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I uh, so they got to go to these chapters, right? And it says they're, they're going to go to the chapter master. How realistic do you think that is? Night houses are a pretty big deal. I know they are, but are they chapter, chapter master, master worthy? Big? Yeah, I don't. Or whoever's available to right. Like That's maybe what, the chapter master's yeah. like. I'm spread out across the galaxy. That's go, what I'm more go thinking. To this like, company captain. Yeah. Who is who is giving this like? This night house, they must have resources and ships capable of traveling the void. Yeah. Right? So that means warp drives. So that means astropaths. Right? Yeah. So it's like, are, like, do they, does this night house own these extra resources? It wouldn't be crazy to think that because they yeah. transport their own knights even. Do they? Planet to planet. Or does Mechanicus do that? Maybe, I don't maybe know. Maybe both? I don't know enough. Should but it would be, it would be kind of cool to know, like, Maybe Mark would even have that answer for us, actually. Probably screaming at the podcast Normally it's me, but this time it can be Mark. Yeah. No, yeah. That, uh, it's kind of just an interesting thought. Like, what are the logistics of him actually traveling yeah. to this chapter? Like, Or, like, what if in the meantime, like, something terrible happens to... Because there's... I'm just on the list. There's, like, a lot of different of the Sons of Dorne. I mean, this is a pretty prolific... So there, there's the a chapter called The Fists of Wrath. Yeah. What if in the time frame of you leaving your planet to go to the Fist of Wrath, they're all wiped out? Yeah. Like, it's not uncommon for an entire chapter to be destroyed, right? Like, I wonder, like, what does he happen? Does he go on a quest? Or There's room for, for stories. Yeah, there's a I lot of like, cool... Kind of on your note about, like, is a chapter master too important? I do like how they put the onus on the knight to go find him, too, yes. right? Because it's, it's different like than a saying... Quest. Yeah, it's different than saying the king has to come to me to get my approval, but me going to the king and being one of hundreds, if not thousands, of other petitioners, imperial guard commanders, you know, knights, households, like, he's just one of... To the chapter master, this is, like, some side story. Like, yeah, it's... Some kid asked him to fight alongside. To okay, the chapter cool. master, it's just a knight. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, he, he doesn't have weapons that can do the same thing as a knight? Like, yeah. get real. Yeah. So it truly is a matter of honor... That he's yeah. doing this. He's not doing it because he's like, oh, no, you need me, right? Yeah, exactly. He's putting in the legwork. He's the yeah. one trying to prove himself. The chapter master is like, you know, he'll either use him or not use him. It's totally up to him what his needs are. Yeah. But that's... It, it's it's like a judge moment. Yeah, exactly. That's, and I do... Yeah, I, I never... I didn't really dive into that aspect of it, but I enjoy... That's a cool... That's worth thinking about, yeah. I think, is the amount of work he'd have to put into... Yeah, like that in itself could be a, like, a, a whole story of... You think like he has to prove himself to the Imperial Fist before he even asks, right? Like he'll just... Yeah, like... Like he'll, on his quest to do it, he's like, I did this and this and this. Like, I'd like to do this for your chapter, right? Yeah. That's an, an interesting idea. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of potential for expansion, for sure. Yeah, I like at the end of the story how he raised the stakes as well. Like that his uncle wasn't able to complete his Whoa. oath... 
You're stepping real close to heresy now, Peter. We don't talk oh, about I'm him sorry. anymore. Well, I yeah. didn't name him. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> good. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not that much of a rebel. <laughs> uh, but no, I just like that that someone close to him was shamed. Yeah, this isn't like a distant great, 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 great relative over the past 10,000 years. Yeah. This is someone he would have known. Personally. Right? Yeah. Who was given over to chaos, right? Yeah. And the sh- yes, the shame that house would feel at that. Yeah. And that shows the stakes involved, like you exactly. said. Exactly. Yeah. As he's uh, setting out in this, it's the risk that this yeah. could go very poorly. It was great. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we're a little over an hour in. Let's, uh, like, hour 15. Let's do one more. Let's, uh, do you have time after this? You got anywhere to be when we're done recording this? Uh my bad. <laughs> okay. You can do this. Let's do that one. Let's oh, do another, another episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do one specifically for that. We're going to do another one here. Uh, submitted by Macy. 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 Mackie. Yeah. I read it Macy. Yeah. Then. Same here. This, this is a short word. Uh, you want to read this one, Peter? Yes. Y- yes. Yes. Please. Uh, yes. Uh, this is by Macy. Dark Angels, Nightwing Company. With the introduction of Primaris Marines to the chapter and the distrust of Inner Circle. Something had to be done with them. (laughs) Oh, you got one of the fun ones. (laughs) After two of like really good writing. (laughs) The Inner Circle created a section of the third company. The Nightwing are tasked with the most brutal and dangerous fights and missions the Greenwing will face. Fighting many long and brutal battles, the Nightwing earned the attention of many veteran officers. After countless trials, several Primaris officers are allowed a limited access to the Deathwing, these officers called the Angels of the Night. The Nightwing specialize in sleight-of-hand tactics, such as deploying several ground units to hold up fortified locations, dropping brutal reavers behind the enemy, or deploying squads of jump troops to flank and push the enemy into the firing lines of the fortified positions. The Nightwing tend to be infantry-oriented, utilizing Battle Brothers for any and every situation they are thrown into, eager to continue proving their place among their older brethren. Company Leader, Warp Strider. After a fight with orcs defending a stronghold in Classified, Battle a large chaos warband storms the fortress. The fight lasted days. Company lieutenant looks up from the carpet of bolster casings. The wall with his flank explodes. Slightly staggered by the blast, he looks back up. A champion of chaos sprinting towards him. The unit of hellblasters to his rear unleash a fury of plasma. Battered, but still lumbering towards him, the champion of chaos cries out for blood. Raising his plasma pistol, he lets off two shots, but no such luck. The champion bashed him to the ground. Raising his axe high, the champion means to end him quickly. Raising his plasma pistol, he blasts the traitor right between his eyes. As the traitors start to flee, a warp rift roars across the sky as if the dark gods themselves are screaming, the warp rift tearing large chunks of the planet apart. Most of the company escape to the storm ravens and tear away 
However, Strider and several of his brothers sucked into the warp. One hundred years later, a Dark Angel's distress beacon is discovered. Three stasis pods are discovered containing Strider and two of his battle brothers. After woke from stasis, Strider is interrogated on what happened. After the interrogation, he is promoted to captain of the company and gifted with a lion's roar and a a mace of redemption and brought into the inner circle. Standing at the forefront of the Nightwing Company with his guard at his side, spearheading the Dark Angels campaigns. All right, so, so, okay. This is a story of a section, I'm assuming the Nightwing, is that? So I'm I, not I'm not super Dark, Dark Angel. Dark Angel's Nightwing Company. I'm, I'm not super Dark Angel guy. I haven't really like looked into like the intricacies of how they act. So take this with a grain of salt, Macy. So the Nightwing Company, does that already exist, Christian? No. Okay, so he created this Nightwing Company, and it sounds like all the Primaris have been put into this Nightwing Company? That Yeah, I'm not super clear. I don't know if it's supposed to be a chapter calling themselves the Nightwing no, no, no. Company? They it's, are it's, a chapter of the Dark Angels. No, they're a company. A company in the yeah. Dark Angels. It's like the Gray Shields that were given to the Dark Angels, and they're like, they we don't them trust them, so put them all alone. And then, proving themselves, a couple of them join the, da, 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 the Deathwing, which is the Deathwing. Aren't they all on bikes? They're the Terminators. They're the Terminators? Oh, is yeah. that like the first company? Yeah, first company. Okay. All, but they're so all So a couple of them are allowed to join as veterans in like what is the most prestigious, like everyone wants to join the first company. Yeah. Right? So these primaries are then allowed. Um, sleight of hand tactics? What is that? Deception. Um, like making your enemy think. Yeah. Guile. One way. Yeah. <laughs> I just when I you're looking over here when you really should be looking over here. That was my first thought. Like this gray, this uh, not gray knight. This dark angel just has like a bunch of cars, and he just threw them at the enemy's face. But he throws it so hard, it actually like kills them. Yeah, no. Is this your card? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I like the idea of um, because that was a, a true thing. You know, a lot of chapters did not like the inclusion of these. Primaris Marines and and kind of forced to prove themselves through the Indominus Crusade. So I and I could see the Dark Angels doing that. They're a pretty secretive chapter, um, and so then so that's kind of describing the uh, the tone, right? He's describing the tone and the fact that you know these Dark Angels had to prove themselves so much harder than everyone else just because of all the distrust that came with them. So that's interesting. I I think that fits. Yeah, personally, I, I, I like them. They have a unique taste like the the the, you were tasting them now hey um the uh like the dark angels each company has like their thing that they're good at like the the death wing the uh raven wing like they're all on bikes um and they don't really have like a sleight of hand tactics group yeah so 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 that that's cool this could be like their flair and you don't get that a lot a lot of people like to be frontline space marines like yeah our space marines are you know x and y but Fortified positions, yeah, bombard, exactly. firing lines. Straight from the front, right? Yeah. So to, to want your guys to be more stealthy and a little more, like, manipulative. As, you know, as an eight-foot-tall space marine can sure. be. Sure. Yeah, talk to the Raven Guard. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so from that angle, I, I do quite like them. Yeah. And I do like them as it's an, It's a unique flavor added. It, it's not just another of squad the of, of Raven yeah. Wing. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. 
Ah. So then, then after that, after he kind of gives us, after what's it, Macy, after Macy gives us the flavor, kind of goes into like a story of Strider. Warp, Warp Strider. Strider. Warp Strider. Is that his na- name? That is his name, yep. Warp Strider. It's cool. It gives a little flavor of him fighting this champion of chaos. I got I got nothing wrong with that. It's kind of yeah. Two two quick vibes I get from the, the name. Is it oh from the name? Yeah. Um. So the Dark Angels. I don't know, Macy. I don't know like how long you've been in the hobby or stuff. The Dark Angels used to actually have a like Native American theme. Oh, actually, the Deathwing did specifically. So they had some really like Cloud Walker and like names like that so it does kind of fit in that context of macy you know if you were a fan from way back if that's when, a throwback yeah yeah um they don't do that so much anymore they've really diverted their names are a lot more like angelic names like Azrael and stuff like that um so i don't know if the name necessarily fits in that context unless it's a throwback to like the back in the day the interesting thought is that originally this could have been a gray shield right and, and he, not he was named before yes exactly he wasn't necessarily yeah. a part of the dark angels yeah and uh i do get like some lord of the rings vibes strider you know mysterious ranger type yeah yeah and then you know you put it marry that to the context of the the, the wing itself being like all stealthy Ooh, everyone under the wing you know get under the wing get and protect wing. you yes. yeah um criticisms i have okay so in the very last part the da, 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 where are we uh okay most of the company escaped to the storm ravens and tear away however strider and several of his brothers sucked into the warp no problem there i'm sure that happens right <laughs> yeah you walking your dog and all of a sudden right <laughs> yeah sucked into the warp right as parts of the planet are also being torn away <laughs> right i'm just saying like when yeah, you're yeah in 40K, it's not yeah yeah, yeah yeah it definitely has happened here's here's the interesting thing. A hundred years later, a Dark Angel's distress beacon is discovered. Three stasis pods are discovered containing Strider and two of his battle brothers. Are these alien stasis pods? Are they chapter stasis pods? We know that space brains themselves can go into a coma-like effect, um, but that, like, what you're describing sounds like they're waking up in like a cryo from like a cryo sleep in like a specific cage which is like the dark angels are like the most distrustful chapter to ever exist (laughs) like you 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 nailed it on the head when you originally created it that they didn't even like gray shields they're like "Mm, we trust trust you so much you're you can't even fight with us it's like that uh, line from um, mean girls like you can't sit with us that's what the dark angels were like right and so then you're gone for a hundred years in the warp in the warp, you come out in a stasis <laughs> yeah. pod. Right, you come out in an unknown stasis pod. And they just take your word for it. And they're like, oh, man, welcome back, Warp Strider. <laughs> we promote you. Yeah, you're, you're a captain. Now you're you're leading the entire Nightwing company. Uh, that seems like it needs a little more work. Yeah, you, Explanation. you, you need to tell us, like... Did they torture him to find out what happened? Was it? Did someone like scour his mind to make sure there was no warp taint in him? Right? Like, yeah. is this even the same Space Marine that came yeah, back? Yeah, is this or, a demon trick? Is this, yeah, you know? exactly. It just from the Dark Angel's perspective. Like, I get that he was even he might have even been a hero before this. Mm-hmm. But if anyone leaves for that long and comes back. They are not major questions. Yeah, yes. huge red flags. Yeah, uh, yeah. To me, I, that part doesn't sit well at all. Yeah. I don't it think. doesn't. I don't think it would happen. The only reason up. why I think we have an issue with it right now is because there's no 
middle part to that. Yeah, just says would, interrogation. It doesn't really say yeah. enough. What was that? Like, did yeah, they just sit him in a room and they were like, oh, okay. What happened? Yeah. Oh, he was just in a stasis pot. Oh, thanks for coming, Strider. Glad to have <laughs> checks you back. Out. Yeah, checks out. Story checks out. Yeah. So I think if you want to put him back into your company, which is totally fine if you want to, like I, I have no problem with it, there needs to be a better description of why he's allowed back in. Build off of the flavor of distrust that you had in the very beginning and amp that up to 11. Right. Talk about how um, I don't know, like he was like two Dark Angel veterans had to like follow him for like 50 years in battle and everything to constantly like one was a chaplain and one was a librarian or something. And they watched him for 50 years to make sure there was no sign of corruption or or taint on him or make it. So they, they threw him in the rock. Right, and he had to sit there and meditating upon the words of the emperor for two hundred years or whatever before he was allowed back in or something. Yeah, it's just there's there's not enough of the dark angel feeling that you included in the first bit, and I think you can really amp it up if you include a little more of that. Yeah, and the final thing I I would say just as a criticism is just staying away from major chapters altogether. Making your own wing. I know. I do honestly. I do like this idea. Yeah. And don't like. Don't don't get me wrong. I actually do like the way he he implemented it. But anytime you're starting to like drop, you know, established groups, and then like you're putting your own twists on it, it gets into a lot of like Mary Sue Snowflake yeah. territory. I which... like. I I know exactly what you're talking about. I think that's a weird. It's a weird line to play with, especially when we're doing this, because then what? No one is allowed to like write. Yeah, any. I'm not saying don't do yeah, it. Yeah, I'm it's just saying just, it's best practice not to. I know that it's tough. Yeah. It, it's it's why you know Mark creates his own night house, right? And you create your own chapter, and I yeah. create my own dynasty, right? Because we don't want to deal with the fact that if we like, if I if you did an ultramarines, if you were an ultramarines chapter, you'd create characters and stories about things that technically never actually happened with the ultramarines. Yeah, and doesn't exist anywhere outside of my own head. Yes, right? which is, it's not which a is, huge problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's your models. Right? You do what you want with them. Yeah. But, I, but in, in the end, like, I think you're there's a freedom that you're allowed that you can really enjoy and expand upon if you don't pick one of these established chapters. But there's a level of complexity that you can really add into the flavor of your chapter if you write from one of these established because you can you can write a successor chapter of the dark angel and it can literally just be the dark angels and that's boring yeah right you you want them to be sufficiently different from someone else that they lose the flavor of what you liked which was the dark angel so i I think there's a weird line there it's just it seems that all of us and us is in like you me and and mark we like things where we have more freedom and other people really like the to cement. I really like in. Ultramarines. I really like Dark Angel. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Enough that enough that I want to write within that. And this is this is an interesting idea. You like we can explain this away however we want, but there is like a danger. You're right to writing like that. And I agree. Yeah, I that's agree all I'm 100%. saying. It's like it's it's usually not the best approach. Yeah. Like it's probably not good to ever include Asriel in your stories. Yeah. Right, like it might be fun and and everything, but if you include him, like we know where he was at this, year. yeah, at this time it we, just you know he just wasn't. It takes away, yeah. So that that like personally, I would just make my own chapter. I know I, that's that's our go to. Yeah, although I do, I honestly I do like his 
the Nightwing. The Nightwing girl, but yeah, the Nightwing company is cool. Yeah, I actually do like the way they would be implemented and stuff. Like it all, it makes sense and it fits in with the chapter. But just again, generally not a good idea to mess with established lore. Generally, and I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I don't care. He can do what he wants. (laughs) (laughs) Macy, be your own person. You're a free thinking absolutist. Within 40k. (laughs) Well, the emperor was actually a chaos god the whole time. Yeah. You know, the premarchs are really all. um, Malkador was actually the true power behind the emperor. The emperor is just a. He's a puppet. Yeah. 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 Malkador was the truly the one. That's my lore now. Perfect. It's an interesting idea to think about, actually. Okay, if you well, follow the progression. Let's not get derailed here. <laughs> uh, anything just, else? Just make a 40K multiverse. <laughs> no. The cinematic universe versus <laughs> yeah. the books versus the comic books versus the tabletop game. <laughs> actually, they do kind of have that with the video games. Oh, uh, sort of. Not really. It, it's They exist in the world, but are they technically part canon? Like, yeah. yeah. Dawn of War kind of. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. I won't get into it. So that was three. We are going to... End this episode right here. We we're done. Anyone have any more things to say? Yeah. So okay, guys, uh, that was our listener lore six. Remember, if we haven't read yours yet, uh, we just got a backlog that we're trying to work through. These were submitted in uh, 2012. It looks like. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the timestamps. Yeah. M M M two M two zero twelve M two. That's when these are. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Um. Yeah, and we'll see you next time. See you. See you later. Cheers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.